0: that's Chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18
2: plus.
3: Welcome to our program on Kardec Radio.
4: Hello, dear listeners from Kardec Radio. We are here once again with Another mediumship in the air. Please send your questions and comments to kardecradio.com. Uh, it's very important to have your participation in order for us to further our studies. So, we are studying the book Disobsession, written by Francisco Candido Savior and Valdo Vieira by the spirit andra lewis we have been saying how important this book it is for our studies for our practice of mediumship meetings andra lewis goes very deep into explaining to us everything we must know on how Better to prepare for a mediumship work because we know that this is a very important work and um, we need to be very careful when dealing with forces, with uh, spirits that are invisible to us, and to, or at least to the majority of us, and so we have to establish a proper ambience uh, a serious uh, number of participants in order to guarantee that we are going to have the best results and are not going to be affected by uh, spirits that may in a way uh, decide to interfere with us so we are now in chapter 18, when Andra Lewis talks about medical isolation. This obsession is in itself medical assistance of a most serious nature. Of course, when we think about it, it is, uh, we understand that we are body and spirit. And we need uh, the healing also for the spirit. In fact, from the spiritist perspective, we understand that all the illnesses that we have in our physical body first establish themselves in our spiritual body. So in this sense, when we are talking about this kind of assistance, we are talking about a a medical assistance of a most serious nature. So he continues by saying, it is important to understand that the physical space surrounded by the four walls reserved for it has the importance of an infirmary. It relies on the additional resources from the higher realms for the rescue and treatment of the disincarnate beings whose minds are still lingering in a state of confusion and unhappiness. So we have, on the days of the Medianship Meeting, we should imagine the spiritual center as being a hospital in the days of studies of course we are talking the spiritual center is a school but in the days of this kind of service uh, healing or uh, or mediumship meetings we are talking about the spiritual center being actually a hospital a place where the sick will come or will be brought to receive assistance. So, the good spirits will be there preparating, preparing this, the environment to, so that we, this, we and the spirits may receive the best uh, course of treatment possible. Any unnecessary curiosity and theatrical demonstrations must be eliminated from the disobsession work. Well, people that participate in a mediumship meeting uh, should never be there out of curiosity. Uh, that should not be their first objective. Just to see how it is when a medium receives a spirit, a communication from a spirit, how the dialogue is going to talk to the spirit, how it is that the spirit communicates, nothing like that. Another thing is that when we receive, a co- as, as mediums, we receive a communication from a spirit. Even when we are talking about a very difficult spirit, uh, there is no need on the part of the mediums to theatrics, to, you know, make funny faces, funny noises. Uh, I, I'm i a medium myself, and I, I actually work as a trans-medium uh, it never happens with me. Even uh, sometimes I, I I can tell you, it's quite hard. Uh, some some kind of spirits that come to communicate. I mean, I feel uneasy and a certain discomfort. But this does not mean that I have to be, you know, moving excessively or using vocabulary that is I'm I'm not supposed to use, or making funny faces, nothing like that. Uh, The medium has to be in control. What we lend to the spirit is basically the power to speak. This is how the spirit manifests. Uh, And so no other part of our physical body needs to be engaged in, in, in... in bizarre positions, so to say. And Andrea Lewis continues, if we put ourselves in the place of the distraught spirits, we will realize how detrimental the presence of any stranger would be to this type of special service of assistance. The assistance to the perturbed or suffering spirit is a task for those who are able to love and understand them by maintaining a respectful attitude towards their torments and sorrows. From that it springs the need to maintain a suitable vibrational ambience in the place dedicated to work of spiritual enlightenment and rescue which must be kept isolated from external interference. Therefore, we must conclude that this obsession, whenever possible, should take place in the spiritual center instead of in a private environment. So, when we talk about uh, unnecessary curiosity, here, of course, the spirits are talking about you know the presence of visitors, perhaps, or even the participants. Let's say you really are in a hospital, and then you see that someone uh, has been in an accident, and then you, you go there, oh, let me look at it, I, w- I wanted to see uh, what happened to the person, out of curiosity. Can you imagine how horrible it is for you to do that. So in a, in, in a mediumship meeting is the same thing. Oh, let me pay attention. I want to know about the suffering of the spirit. I mean, it's completely a lack of consideration to the, the suffering of our brothers and sisters. So they uh, we have to have a love and understand towards them. Sometimes we are going to be hearing horrible things, you know, that they are confiding to us because they feel at easy. They feel they can trust us, and they deserve our trust. So we have to send our love and, and, and remember, who can cast the first stone? who are we to say or to be horrified perhaps by uh, what a spirit is telling us in terms of what they have committed in their previous life and what they are doing now in the spirit realm, We, we went there as well. I mean, we are still trying to progress and we are still in the first stages of spiritual progress. So we have to maintain a respectful attitude towards their torments and sorrows. Uh, can you imagine you know, how hard it must be for a spirit that has participated uh, in the um, torture and killing of pe- people during the Inquisition? Inquisitional period, and now they look at themselves with horror. We do not need to condemn them. Them themselves know that, you know, that was wrong. Uh, and now they want to make amends. They are suffering, and it, it's, it, we are the ones that have to be there for them, reminding them that God is merciful and that they will have opportunities to make amends and to grow. So we we that's the reason why when we talk about the the atmosphere, the ambience of all that, it's so important to us because uh they are going to be uh what is going to determine the success of the treatments that are going to be provided to the suffering spirits. This is the reason why they say it's always recommendable for us to have spirit to have a a mediumship meetings in a place specifically designed for that, like a spiritual center, because this is a place that is going to be uh, more, appropriated because of the energy, because of the vibrations, the work that will be conducted during other days of the week in order to assist the brothers and sisters in need. For this reason, it is important that the members involved with this obsession, in particular the trans medians and the counselor medians, the dialoguers, should visit hospitals and other places devoted to aiding certain types of illnesses in order to better understand the necessity of being tactful when dealing with furious and uncontrollable spirits. And that can be a very good practice to see, you know, even how the doctors and nurses deal with those that are suffering, and to have uh, consideration, uh, especially when in our conversation with the spirits, the remarks we are going to be making, uh, this is what is going ha- actually to make a huge difference in terms of the work at hand. Chapter 19. Andra Lewis talks about electrical equipment and he says the use of electrical equipment during these Obsession sessions should be restricted to a searchlight to be used in an eventuality and whenever possible to a tape recorder to record the messages of the manifesting entities particularly those characterized by their instructive nature, so that their teachings or personal experiences may be saved for further study. So what kind of equipment should we have? And of course, like it says here, a searchlight, even in case of... Uh, uh, problem with the uh, electrical problem it can be become handy and also a recorder because uh, sometimes it would be very beneficial for us when, especially when the benefactors the mentors communicate for us to record their words so that we can share with others that are not there or we can uh, Analyze the message better to understand why did the mentors uh, brought that message in that particular day. What is it that the group needs? What is it that the, uh, the collectivity needs? So it's very important for us to analyze the message later on. Sometimes when the, the the benefactors communicate, everyone feels so enveloped by that beautiful energy. We hear the words, we understand it, but uh, but sometimes you know it's not that they are going to sink in completely. So by reading or listening to it again, we are going to benefit from from it. So, Andra Lewis continues, we stress that the group only uses a tape recorder when it is available, for it's not indispensable for the course of the work. The director of the meeting or the person in charge of its utilization must look after it, verifying that it works properly and know how to operate it before the beginning of the activities. Thus, avoiding last minute annoyance or rushing around. Of course, I mean, when we are talking about uh, special devices. Uh, one that can record the communications we have to be very careful uh, not to make noises, not to disturb uh, the atmosphere that that is in the room just because we have to rush and to record the mentor. So the best uh, way possible is for one person to be responsible for that to verify if everything is working properly before the the beginning of the meeting and have it with uh, oneself and as soon as the message starts we try to record that worst case scenario something happens we miss it this time we prepare better for uh, next time but try not to be uh, worried or completely affected because things are not working properly stop pay attention at the the message and uh and be better prepared for next next time, okay? Because otherwise, we can interfere with the communication of the mentor and uh, interfere with the concentration of the meeting the medium, which is uh, uh, of course is going to affect the reception, and we are not going to be receiving a, a, a beautiful message as we should have been receiving. Now, we are going to read Chapter 21, and we will leave the Chapter 20 for next week, okay? Chapter 21 is about visitors. We talked about uh, visitors a little bit last uh, uh, last week, um, but it is still important to... Study more to learn more about the presence of visitors. So, Andrea Lewis says the following The disobsession work must not be viewed as a department for social favors, which, although well intentioned, would not be harmonious with the task of spiritual assistance to be projected for the benefit of our disincarnate brothers and sisters who are tormented by bitter difficulties. So, the work of mediumship. It's not a place for social favors. It's not a place for us to invite each and everyone that we feel like. You know, it's like someone that is going to go uh, to have a surgery. Okay, so you go to the operating room and then all of a sudden the, uh, the doctors, nurses start inviting everyone to go there and to see your operation. It's not like that, okay? Of of course, they can invite uh, students. They are going to be learned. uh, So we are talking about people that are preparing themselves that will go there with the aim of learning, not out of curiosity, not just because I'm a friend with uh, the doctor and he's inviting me to see this or that, because it's going to be something interesting. And Andrea Luis continues, however, there may be times when a fellow worker of the Spiritist enterprise may be granted permission to attend a meeting. They may only be permitted access to oversee the work with a view to constructive observations. It is important, however, not to receive a great number of people at any one given time so that the ambience of the meeting does not suffer inopportune variations. So, like we mentioned before, there is no problem in us receiving someone that is related to this kind of work. Uh, like we said, it may be someone that already participates in medianship meetings in other spir- other spiritual centers, that may be someone who are trying to put together a meeting in, in its, uh, its uh, spiritual center. Um, so people there are going to be related to the work. But it's very important that when we do that, we have to, let's say, have a schedule, you know. We should not receive more than one or two person per time because, you know, the not being accustomed to this kind of meeting, their energy level uh, may vary. So it is important that we... um, try to maintain the same atmosphere, the same ambience that we have in our regular meetings when we do not have any visitors. And of course, people, um, the more people they are not used to that, the more different kind of energy and vibrations we are going to have. So one at a time. Two more, no more than two at a time, it will be more recommendable. Such visits may must only be allowed on rare occasions and only under reasonable circumstances, in particular when the the, their objective is the formation of similar type of activities. That actually happened in our group. Uh, another spiritist center was uh, putting decided to put together a spiritist meeting, a mediumship meeting, and uh, they asked at us if the the group of people that were going to be part of this mediumship meeting could one by one. Uh, uh, come to our meetings to learn and to, to have the experience of seeing uh, what kind of meeting we had, and uh, all with an aim to help them to put together their mediumship meeting. So, before accepting the visitors into the meeting, it is important to consult the spiritual mentors of the group in deference and respect to the great responsibility they have undertaking to benefit the team. However, one should keep in mind that the guidelines for the Spiritist activities are all contained within the Spiritist doctrine itself and not at the discretion of the Disincarnate Friends not even the more enlightened ones. Well, here is, you know, there are maybe people that, or maybe groups that have uh, direct, com- direct communication with uh, the mentors and they can have this kind of dialogue. Should I bring uh, somebody else to the meeting or not? Uh, but there are many groups that we do not have this direct Form of conversation. It's more like uh, intuition and guidance that happens uh, when we have to introduce new people to the meeting. Uh, So, this is why they are, uh, Andrea Lewis is saying here, always keep in mind the guidelines of the Spiritist doctrine. Uh, uh, Even before the what the the spirits are saying even the more enlightened ones okay because you know sometimes we may be deceived sometimes a spirit may say something saying that it is a particular mentor and it's not so we are always going to check the advices and guidelines of uh, spirits with the Spiritist doctrine, and if they are not aligned, we stay with the Spiritist doctrine and not with the Spirit is telling us. Uh, And another thing that Andrea Luiz says here is, note that in such cases the visitors do not need to be present for more than three or four meetings. So when we have visitors, like it says here, especially when their objective is the formation of a similar type of activity, if they participate in, Andrea Luis says, three, four meetings, um, I would say also it can be just two meetings or even one meeting. Uh, But let us remember, not according to Andréa Lewis, not more. There is no need for more than four meetings. Again, we see how important this little book is for us in terms of uh, being safe, and organize a medianship meeting in the best way possible. We should never disregard the importance of those valuable pages. In fact, I I, I think I have already mentioned that to you, one of the requirements for people to participate in our medianship meetings is actually to study this book not just read, to study this book, to really pay attention on each and every word of its pages. And as you've been seeing in the past few few weeks that we have been dedicating to the study of this book, this obsession, Chico Xavier, Valdo Vieira, by the spirit of Andrea Lewis, you have noticed how precious the teachings Andrea Lewis brings to us are in terms of of having a serious mediumship meeting. So with that, we go to our final prayer, thanking the good spirits for the guidance, for the inspiration, for the work we are trying to do to help our brothers and sisters who want to put together a way of communicating with the spirits of bringing these two realms together in order to benefit us all. May we also receive the guidance and assistance throughout our week of the Protecting Spirits, our Guardian Angels, also thanking our Brother Jesus and our Heavenly Creator for all the blessings, all the opportunities we have And ask as well for the blessings of our loved ones and that we may in our day-to-day lives live as much as possible the precious teachings that we have received from our brother Jesus. Thank you for listening to Kardec Radio. Broadcasting live every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Email us and share your comments at www.kardecradio.com. Until next time, we wish you many blessings.
3: Welcome to our program on Kardec Radio
4: Welcome to Spiritist Awareness on Kardec Radio
5: Hello dear friends here we are in our 30 days of good news with the master and what a joy it is I know it's been night where we are now but you know the reason why we're doing this at midnight because it's when a new day begins the dawn is always that symbol to the new day to the new beginning and when we walk with Jesus in his good news with the good news of the Christ we are always renewing ourselves hello Angelita and today we are here chapter 10 of the book good news Boa Nova it's yet to be published in English But, here we are, here we are learning, we can't wait, 30 days of good news, and as we said at the first, the first moment, good news means joy, as Jesus said, who has heard of good news without, you know, actually feeling joy, so here we are, prepared for the good news, are you? Hello, Jussara, hello, Raquel, so friends, thank you, Raquel, for your kindness, too, so, friends, today, chapter 10 is titled Forgiveness. woo Forgiveness it is. So, let's see. Humberto de Campos, the spirit author of the book, begins this chapter by describing the following. The first pilgrimage of Christ and his disciples around the lake had achieved unforgettable triumphs. There were troubled, ill people who were thankful for the relief they anxiously sought for. Humble workers who became fulfilled by the holy consolations before the divine promises of the good news. Aha, uh-huh. hello Solange. Hello, Elder. Are you Santa, Elder? I just saw it on Facebook. <laughs> you know, I'm mentioning the names of all of you because so we feel we are. All together, learning with the Master. Not me. Master Jesus. Hello, Adiosen. So, let's stop for a moment. Who was receiving the consolation? People who were ill, humble workers, people who needed hope, consolations, like the works done by the caravan of love, by the works done by spiritist centers in general, by churches, by anybody who not necessarily needs to be affiliated with a religion. What is important for us is to know that Jesus didn't go preach, 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 preach. He would talk one-on-one. Do you remember? I don't know. Maybe I mentioned that in Paul and Stephen, but I'm going to recap here since we're talking about the accomplishments of Jesus' pilgrimages. So there was a true case of a Spiritist speaker who came from Brazil, and he gave a talk at our Spiritist group in Virginia when it was a group. And we had an Arab woman who became acquainted with Spiritism, was studying with us. She got to know she had cancer. And she said, Vanessa, can I talk to the the speaker later on? Because he seems to be so fantastic. I think he he must have an advice for me regarding some questions I have. I said, I don't think he's going to mind it. So at the end of the talk, I asked, can you please talk to this person? And he did. But when we got home, he told me, Never, ever, ever do this again. I'm here to give talks. I'm not here to talk to people about their problems. I'm not a psychologist. I was like astonished. Really? Ah, I've never heard of that either. Because Jesus didn't speak and then left He was going to talk to each and every person who needed and apply the laying on of hands. So it's great to share the knowledge, but it doesn't suffice. I'm not talking about Spiritist meetings. I'm talking about our daily lives. Daily lives. We need to walk the extra mile, right? Yes. Hello, Cesar. Hello, Gustavo and Rudy. Thank you so much for sharing with us your wisdom as well, your knowledge. You know, Jesus is really wise, really knowledgeable, really loving. Hello, Monica. Thank you, Gustavo. Okay. Drive safe. So, friends, but what happens next? He says the triumphs, but he says, however... Those activities started to call the attention of the stringent Jews who saw Jesus as a dangerous revolutionary man. The love being preached by the prophet of Nazareth was infringing old principles of the Jewish law. And that's exactly how it is. That rigidity inside of us when we see people easily being emotional, being, uh, feelings, with feelings. We're like, oh uh, 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 we step back and like, this must be wrong. This is not right. And sometimes we play the parts of the Pharisees. Let me see what it is. Let me double check. And then we start bad-mouthing to other people. Say, oh, did you see what they're doing? Because it's succeeding. It's conquering many hearts. And we are afraid. And yeah, we have to pay attention to this chapter. The lord of the land carefully observed the lectures given to the slaves, who showed immense joy from the hope of having a new kingdom, which actually they could not understand. The most selfish people pretend to see the generous prophet as a common conspirator who wished to intensify the popular rage against the domination of Herod. Others assumed him to be an unusual wizard who should be avoided. Mm. In psychology, we learn that we see, most often than not, what is inside of us. Uh-huh. And when we can't accomplish those things, sometimes we go and become envious of others. Right? So we need to be careful. That is how the Master's trip to Nazareth resulted in an excursion of great challenges. Ah, that's actually one of the first times that our dear Umberto de Campos reports to us the great challenges that Jesus was encountering in this journey of the, the, pigri- the, the sacred, let's say this way, pilgrimages. Great challenges which led to the bitter observations found in the gospel regarding the homeland of those who should have kept him in the sanctuary of their hearts. There were more than a few opponents to his ideas of renewal who arrived in a tiny village before him. Isn't that amazing? And, and you know, 2,000 years went by. More than that, Right? And I, I often ask myself, we're still the same. Mm-hmm. There, in that regard, morally speaking, not that we're the same, but we're still like struggling to sh- turn the page, become a new, transform like the caterpillar in the cocoon and then the butterfly. We still struggle, struggle and... That's exactly what was happening here. There were more than a few opponents. They were seeking to neutralize Jesus' actions through false news and to demoralize him by feeding people with false information concocted by some Nazarenes. Stop, because when mentor Joseph asked us to do this also as part of the preparation for This outcome of the 2016 elections, not because of the elections, but because of how people felt after the elections. We can't allow people to go down with their vibrations thinking pessimistically. We need to raise it up. So nobody's better to guide us back to this calibration of the soul than the master. Stop first therapeutic moment for us. How often do we use this opportunity of our mistakes, of our difficulties or our struggles to have the master as a, a way to tune up our ourselves, our feelings, our emotions. How often do you do it? The other day, mentor Joseph said, I was struggling with a... Some things, and he said, Before you take any action, talk to Jesus. And he means open your heart, meditate on his lessons, share what you're feeling, and observe. So, before we take any action, especially when we're making important decisions. We need to think and talk to Jesus. Here we're talking about the master going through these challenges. People who were spreading false news. Friends, have you heard about this current election and people creating fake news and the tragic consequences? And this is not a new thing. It's a human dynamic. When you want to put somebody down, you create fake news. They did the same to Jesus. And Jesus said, if they did this to me, they're going to do this to you too. If and only if, we're in the right path. When everybody's applauding us, everybody, I mean most of the people, it means that we're not on the right track. Not on the earth. When on the earth... Jesus said it all. If you want to know, if you're really, 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 really walking the talk, you're going to suffer persecutions, you're going to suffer slanders, etc., etc. Fake news to demoralize us, blah, 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 blah. What do we do? Nothing. Continue praying, continue working, and continue thinking about serving God. Sooner or later, everything is going to change. Jesus sensed how delicate the situation was from the first attack by the enemies of his doctrine. However, he took advantage of all opportunities to provide the best lessons through his teachings. Yet, the same did not happen to his disciples. He was secure. Remember about emotional contagion? He didn't contaminate himself. Oh my gosh, people are doing this, that, and the other. What do I do? He kept himself composed. But his disciples were targeted. Philip and Simon Peter became involved in serious interrogations with some gentlemen from the region. They exchanged Harsh Words Regarding the Fundamental Teachings of the Messiah In reaction to the ironic laughs and the less dignified comments, they passionately defended the teachings. There were those who saw the Lord as an active servant of the evil spirit, an enemy of Moses, a follower of unknown princes, or a traitor to the political power of Antipas. It's even hard to read these words. Because we know it's so untrue. The debates in Nazareth were so heated, the debates, let's observe this word, debates, that their harmful effects were strongly felt throughout the disciples' community. Peter and Andrew defended the cause of the Master with incisiveness and sincerity. James became upset, you see, emotional contagion, the cause became upset with his companion's analysis. Levi protested. <laughs> well, Jesus understood the circumstances and calmly ordered the withdrawal from Nazareth, leaving the town with a tranquil smile. Pause. I think here we have a unique lesson for us, or many. Right? Or many, 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 many. Hello, Osvaldo. Let's take a break here as we think together. Hello, Fatima, Julissa, Carolina. So what is the lesson here from the master? He's seen that people are resisting. He is not a master of imposition. He said to Bartholomew, The truth does not demand. It transforms. He saw people were not open. What is he going to do? Hello, friends. I am the governor of the planet. How come? Don't you know I'm the Messiah? Blah, blah, blah. No. What did he do? He retreated. He retreated. Why? Was he afraid? Was it an act of cowardice? And you're right, Elton. History repeats itself. Why? Because human nature is so alike everywhere, independent of the time. This is our human nature. That's how we are. But he understood the circumstances first. He understood. And he didn't fight against it. He didn't go there. No, I'm gonna enforce, I'm gonna make them accept. I'm gonna they have to understand, they must understand how often in our lives people don't understand us. And we keep pushing, and we keep pushing, and we keep pushing. It doesn't make any sense. Leave them alone, they don't accept. They we understand, and Jesus is teaching us calmly. He ordered the withdrawal. He didn't create a revolution saying, did you see? They're persecuting us. Look at them. They are this, that, and the other. He said, let's go away. Let's retreat calmly. People don't understand, that's okay. They are not open for us,
2: that's okay.
5: Is it too much of a proposal from Jesus to us tonight? or this morning, (laughs) is it to ask us to do this exercise. Think right now of people whom we would love to get along, be on the same page, but it's not possible. They don't see us yet. They see a reflection of their own difficulties, a projection as we call in, in psychology. And Joanna De Angelis talked about the shadow, like Carl Gustav Young, the shadow inside of us that old men project onto others. So those who are looking at Jesus like revolutionary, humanizer, this and the other, they were simply projecting what was inside of them. He wasn't Jesus. He understood, and he said, let's go. It's not going to work. People are not ready. We're not here to fight. And you and I are not here to fight. Let it be. Right? You're right, Elton. Responsibility is the ability to respond and not act, and this is emotional intelligence. We need to practice, and we often say, according to science, the first way to manage emotions is breathing, breathing, Deeply and slowly, and avoid resisting, let it be. Notwithstanding their determination, despite the retreat to Capernaum, the majority of the apostles continued debating because they could not understand why the master had not done anything to react against the poisonous insinuations that had been brought against him. Are you surprised too? Jesus didn't do anything. That's a lesson for us. We often think that we have to go and make people understand and force. Stay calm. But you see the disciples are debating. Again, the, the second time I'm pointing out to all of us. Let's pay attention to this word. Debating. 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 And we are living in a time in which people love debating, 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 not only politically for anything, even in the spiritist circles, did you see what this person is doing? Blah blah blah. Piti, ta, ta, ta. What for? What are we gonna gain by doing it? But let Jesus let Jesus work it out for us. Okay. Let's observe this. Some days later, you see, Jesus is never like, boom, impulsive, never. Some days later, he let the disciples debate, waste their time, debate, waste their- Some days later, following the circumstances of the situation, is when he's going to clarify things. Peter and Philip looked for the Lord. Eager for the clarity of his teachings. But let's remember, it only allows this to happen later. Jesus could have called them and said, Don't do this, don't waste your time. He didn't do anything. Remember the concept of just justice in the Spirit's book by Helen Kardec. Law of love, charity, and justice. Or justice love and charity, whatever sequence. For now, we're not focusing on that. What we're focusing is on the spiritist take on justice. Everything is redefined by spiritism. Justice is when we respect the rights of everyone. Respect means what? Leave it alone. If you know somebody who wants to write a book that talks about nonsense. Do not make an effort to prohibit this book to anybody. Go write a book that is about good things. That's what Jesus did. He didn't stop and say, hey, you, you are writing a bad book. That's not how you write it. He respected it. He didn't talk bad. He didn't judge. He didn't do anything. He wrote the book he thought was more appropriate. Therapeutic moment for us. Where are we in regards to being just? Zero to ten. Zero to ten. It's blinking. Zero to ten. Zero. Scale. Inner journey. Self-knowledge, which is so important. Where do we think we are? Are we just? Zero. Zero. Being not at all, 10 being oh, yeah, <laughs> we need to bring some sense of humor here because it's not easy to talk about this. Uh huh. And you know, some people tell me, Vanessa, as soon as I get to know the spirit, you'll feel so guilty, but you know, you shouldn't because Jesus didn't make come to make us feel guilty, He brought us good news. The good news that today you're not there yet, but tomorrow you will hmm That's the best news ever. You can look at yourself in the mirror today and see yourself more whole tomorrow. No doubt about it. Sooner or later, we'll be at another level. It's wonderful. Oh, but I made a mistake. Who doesn't? Right? It's beautiful, right, Raquel? It's beautiful because Jesus... Brought us good news, good news that we're children of God, that we are never going to regress, that we are always going to progress, and we are made of love, supposed to love, and be loving, etc. That's the ultimate goal in life. Why resist the power of love inside of us? Right? It is, Osvaldo. So, Peter says, Humberto de Campos, With naive honesty, he asked, he said, Master, they called you a servant of Satan, and we promptly responded. He's so cute, Peter, right? So cute. Yes, mistakes are opportunities to learn. Peter is like, and then Philip says, We observe that you never oppose the challenges. For that reason, we fought against the attacks with the strongest arguments possible. They are cute because sometimes we are just like that. People talk about our ideas, and we're like, no, 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 I'm going to tell them. Family members, neighbors, and others. And then we're like so feeling like we have to defend, create arguments. But let's hear from the Master. He knows, he knows. Notwithstanding the heated tone of those statements, Jesus meditated, observed the body language, meditated with a sweet placidity in his profound gaze, while the followers contemplated him anxiously looking forward to hearing his word, Of sincerity and love. Pause. Jesus heard those heated statements. He didn't reply right away. He meditated. With calmness. While looking at them deeply. So he was not far away. He was there, but he was in control of himself. Wonderful. People come to you and say, Did you know what people told you about you? What they want to do to you? What they think you are? And you're like, Really? Oh my gosh, no way. He was like, Think about, let's picture. Jesus meditated with sweet placidity. In his profound gaze. Finally, emerging from his silent reflections, that's what he was doing, silent reflections, the Master asked. Now he's gonna ask us when we feel we have to defend a cause, to defend ourselves, to defend somebody. Would we be able to pick up grap- grapes in the bramble? would we be able to pick up grapes in the bramble? I would not in any way engage in a sterile argument with my opponents in Nazareth. However, I made sure to teach that the best example is always the one from our own work, the one from our most useful effort possible. In this case, I did not stop operating in my sphere of action so that we were able to get results from our trip to the nearby by town, making it beneficial by using constructive words at the opportune moment. Stop for a moment and let's reflect on this. Make sure that to, to teach that the best example is always the one from our own work from our most useful effort possible. We're not going to knock on people's doors. and say, come on, please trust me. Please, don't you see who I am? We need to keep working and doing what we have to do. As Mother Teresa says, between God and us. He then asks, What would be the use of long public debates? Uh Aha, I told you, debates. What would be the use of long public debates filled with mockery and sarcasm? At the end, we would have only lesser chances for the triumph of glorious love. We would only have lesser chances for the triumph of glorious love and stronger motives for division and hateful opposition. We should only say that which the heart can testify through sincere actions. Otherwise, the statements would be simply noise in an empty box. Ah, Cesar, you're so funny. Yeah, we're still impulsive on the earth, but we're gonna get there. And Jesus now is a model for us, you see? If we visualize it like the disciples, Peter and Andrew, heated in their emotions, and Jesus is like silent, reflecting. He's listening, and he's pondering before taking an action. But he doesn't spare words. He's very precise. He's saying here to us, clearly, no debates no argumentations. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Some people want to preach that we have to s- sit together and discuss ideas sincerely. We don't discuss ideas for ideas. We discuss ideas for action. And Jesus here is saying, we cannot... Take the opportunity of a debate if, at the end of the day, it's going to create more division in a family, in our neighborhood, in a spiritual center, in a church, anywhere. It's not worthwhile. Mm. And, and you're right, Elton, we can't use our social network or the social media for these debates. I remember recently somebody was writing their Facebook. Today I woke up feeling like getting into debate. Come on, my friends, who is going to start it with me? Why do we need to do that? Master said to Philip with some bitterness, the truth is that most of the people who were present in the preaching of Nazareth spoke evil of you. They spoke evil of you. You helped them, you were talking to them, and now they're talking bad about you. But who else? Who else is going to be talking bad about us but those who know us? <laughs> it doesn't surprise us. Hello, Filipe. Yeah, the problem is, right, Elton, are we creating a noise? Noise, uh uh-huh, would be simply noise in an empty box. Exactly. And then Jesus asked with energy and serenity, love, 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 I don't think you are... You had enough of this beautiful analysis of the emotional body language. Because here we have another one, Huberto de Campos, you know, grants us the opportunity to know more about the complete Jesus. He not only talked, but he already sent a message vibratorily, body language. He asked with energy and serenity. Energy, serenity. Can we put both together? Very hard. But here we have Jesus at this level, like energy and serenity. But wouldn't it not be vanity to expect that everyone thinks highly of us? Wouldn't it not be vanity to expect that everyone thinks highly of us? Vanity. So when people don't agree with us, we're upset, that's called vanity. Vanity. You want to do the exercise? I can feel it. You ask money, you're going to ask. Yes, we will. Let's all meditate on this. Scale 0 to 10, self knowledge. If we don't feel the scriptures, there's no purpose. We need to do this inner evaluation. Scale 0 to 10, 0 being nothing, and 10 being a lot. Where are you in terms of vanity? Vanity. Zero to ten. Wouldn't it be vanity to expect that everyone thinks highly of Jesus? In the illusions that individuals on earth have created for their own lives, it is important that we always conduct ourselves in such a manner that they will speak well of us without distinction. To please everyone is like marching through the wide streets where lies are the convention. Stop. To please everyone is like marching through the wide streets where lies are the convention. Meaning, if you want to please everyone, you're not going to be able to tell the truth. Then you become a liar. I mean, not you, could be me. We're just saying us, okay? To serve God is the task that should be above everything. So let's say you have the power of authority in your company, okay? Let's say that. And you have to implement a new action. Not everybody's going to like it. And what do you do? You start telling lies, so people are going to be okay. Or you face it and say, I'm so sorry, but we need to implement it. Right? Thank you, John Bosco. Thank you. But to serve God is the task that should be above everything. To serve God is the task. So Umberto de Campos is reporting to us that Jesus said... That to serve God is a task. To serve God as a task. Task. Every day. How much do we serve God every day, consciously speaking? How much? Every day. Once a day? Twice a day? Three times a day? Maybe once a week, once a month, once a year? I mean, serving God consciously. But that's a task. So let us put in our to-do list. First, number one. Tomorrow, I'm going to serve God. <laughs> and then everything else. But the number one, serve God. To serve God. Sometimes, during that divine service, it is natural for us to displease petty human interests. Philip, do you know any emissary of God who was well appreciated during his time? Do you know any emissary of God who was well appreciated during his time? All bearers of the truth of heaven are misunderstood by their contemporaries. Therefore, it is essential to consider that just that the just concept is respectable. But above all, we need to obtain legitimate approval from our conscience through our loyalty to God. So we constantly need to do that exercise of question 621 of the Spirit's book. The laws of God are inscribed in our conscience, and we need to constantly, Jesus is saying, asking our conscience, If we're approved, since we're loyal, faithful to God. So next time we make a decision, or we do anything, let's think about that. Conscience, are you approving of it? Because I'm loyal to God's plan. But then Simon Peter's still asking questions. He's like, Master, shouldn't we Use resolute, equitable words in the most important events of life? No, I know some people are going to say, no, but we have to explain, but we need to defend. Well, naturally, that which is necessary should be stated in every circumstance. However, it's also essential to waste no time. It's also essential to waste no time. Can we do another quiz? Yes, can we? Let's do another quiz. Because this chapter is really, really filled with therapeutic moments. How much are we wasting time on a daily basis?
2: Mm -hmm.
5: With debates with judgment instead of actually fulfilling it in a useful manner. Zero to ten, wasting a lot of time or not much at all, let's meditate. It's essential to waste no time. Clearly showing that the explanation did not satisfy him fully, Philip said to the Master, Master, Your clarifications are indisputable. However, I need to add that some of the companions were unbearable during the trip to Nazareth. Some accuse me of being a bully and disruptive. Others accuse me of not understanding your teachings. If our own brothers in our communities show such flaws, what will be the future of the gospel? The Master reflected for a moment and replied, These are questions that every disciple must ask. (laughs) But so that I may clarify, Philip, regarding the community, I must ask, Have you already built the kingdom of God in the depths of your spirit? You see, when we're judging others, saying, I can't believe that person. Is a spiritist in there doing this? And Jesus is telling us, Have you already built the kingdom of God in your spirit? Wonderful, Gustavo, to hear from you and know you're safe and here with us. The apostle hesitantly answered, It is true that I have not built the kingdom of God. Within this reality, you can observe that if our school were constituted of perfect brothers, it would no longer be open to criticism, even when a friend who had not yet gained the divine knowledge joined us. Now we understand why Jesus also chose people like us to be in his discipleship, because he's saying it right now. If he brought people who are angelic, How could we ever think we could come that close? Right? Very interesting. He's an educator. He was not selecting the disciples only for that time. He was selecting the disciples as an educational movement for immortality in our lives. In our lives for immortality. It is indispensable, he says, because they started meditating. It's indispensable to never lose sight of our own work. So we are concerned about the work of others? What about your own work? Some people think that because they are in a place of authority, they become policemen, policewomen in the lives of others. Parents regarding children, teachers regarding students, etc., etc. But we are learning with Jesus. We need to focus on our work and not the work of others. To know how to forgive with true spontaneity of the heart. It is indispensable to never lose sight of our own work. To know how to forgive with true spontaneity of the heart. If a colleague seems unbearable during the labors of life, it is possible that sometimes we are considered as such. How, Jesus is saying, aren't you ever, are you perfect enough to point the finger to that person? We must forgive our opponents. Do you have opponents? So Jesus is inviting us today to forgive them. We need to work for the good of our enemies to help the ones who mock our faith. Can you believe this? We must forgive our opponents and we need to work for the good of our enemies to help the ones who mock our faith. At that point of the explanation, Peter asked, But in order to forgive, shouldn't we wait for the enemy's repentance? And what should we do if the malefactor has the attitude of a wolf in sheep's clothing? And Peter answers the following from the Master. Peter, forgiveness does not exclude the need for vigilance, as love does not dispense with the truth. Peace is an asset that every heart is obligated to defend, in order to work well in the divine service that was entrusted by God. Peace is an asset that every heart is obligated to defend. Peace. If our brother repents and seeks our fraternal assistance, we must support him with all the energy that we can spend. However, in no circumstance... No circumstance should you ponder if your brother has truly repented or not. Forget the evil and work for the good. We could stop here today because this chapter really came to the main conclusion. If we are asking, like, how do I forgive? He's saying, forget the evil and work for the good. But, you know, Jesus, how can we forget the evil? He's just saying, put it aside, and when you least expect, you're not going to see it. But if we're constantly rewinding the tape and say, this person did this, this person did that, da-da-da, we are never going to forget it. We're going to keep reinforcing those memories. And work for the good. It's a two-fold action. I need to forget the evil and work for the good. When I taught that every man should quickly reconcile with his adversary, I emphasized that no one can go to God with a sense of hatefulness in the heart. We would not be able to know if our opponent is willing to reconcile. (laughs) However, we can guarantee that nothing will be done without our willingness to forget entirely the evils that we suffered. So, we Forget, at all times we need to, we must forget the evil that was done. Did we hear that? Did we? Let's repeat. At all times, we need, we must forget the evil that was done. It's homework for us. Forget it. Substitute by a new memory, create new memories. That was when Simon Peter asked his famous question Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Wouldn't it wouldn't be seven times. Jesus calmly replied, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven, meaning always, always, always always? Mm -hmm. At all times, we need to forget the evil that was done. We need to forget the evil that was done. How? By applying another, another memory. Therefore, the Master also took advantage of these slighted opportunities to teach the need for mutual forgiveness between individuals in the sublime work of redemption. He's telling to you and I, those who are on the same page, religiously, philosophically, and Jesus is saying to us, forgive always mutual forgiveness which is based in understanding whether accused of being a wizard a servant of satan a conspirator jesus always demonstrated great goodwill towards the lowest spirits of his time without disdaining the good word at the opportune moment he worked every moment for the victory of love with the highest practical idealism. On the unforgettable day of the Calvary, you know what he said, right? He revealed to humanity the importance of immediate reconciliation between the spirit and the harmony of life. For such reason, he said these last words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We need to ask ourselves. How are we doing in regards of forgiveness? Reconcile immediately. Don't worry what others will think. This chapter is a lesson for us, friends. It's a lesson to action. These are not to be kept here. We really need to walk the talk. Walk the talk. Do you have anybody whom you should immediately reconcile? Do you know anyone? Anyone? Okay. So reconcile now, while you're still here and together. How can you do it? Pray first. Count on your guardian angel and Trust that you're never alone. Write Elton. Just do it. How? Call and say, you know, there's no purpose for us to be like this. Come on. That's past. And we need to teach our children. When they come home and say, That person pushed me, that person pushed me. That person and then the other day I asked Virginia, Virginia, how How many times did this person push you? Once, but now you're talking about it for the tenth time. But I'm like this. I think probably she's learning from me. No, I'm joking. (laughs) No, 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 no. Because I'm already perfect. (laughs) But whether or not we're picking up, we need to learn from childhood. They come and say, yeah, they did this.
4: Okay, but it's past,
5: Done. Another day, another chapter. As Orodo Druta Diaz, a scholar and speaker in Brazil in Spiritism, he says, if you take the picture of the person when they offended you and you expect that when you meet them, they're going to match it, Maybe you're going to be surprised they don't match. So don't take picture of offenses. Let's not take those pictures and move on. And he says, immediate, the importance of immediate reconciliation. Tonight, we are given the opportunity. Let's begin tonight. Choose one, one person, one at a time. And if you want to do it first in your mind, in spirit before you take physical action do the following divaldo the franco has a, a cd named uh, therapeutic visualizations uh, health track two the divine light heals the first thing that is recommended in the visualization is reconciliation with the enemy Reconcile first. Ready? You can take advantage of uh, the intelligent sleep before you go to bed. Ask your guardian angel to take you to the spiritual realm. And with the guardian angel of the person, you can meet there, reconcile, so when you wake up, you can more easily take the steps. In the material life towards that reconciliation. Right? And you're right, Alto, it begins with us. Mm-hmm. And he's also, Adilson is recommending a documentary, Forgiving Dr. Mengel, a true inspirational movement. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right? Ready for this importance of immediate reconciliation? We're gonna feel lighter more joyful. After all, it's always better to have friends than enemies. Hopefully, we have no enemies. But if we do, it doesn't matter. Let's go and reconcile because it's so good to be in harmony with everyone. Not that we'll be alike, but we'll appreciate the differences, be just, Exercise the sense of justice, allowing people to be who they are and allowing ourselves to be who we are, progressing always. Tonight, or this morning, this afternoon, depends when you're going to watch this and we're going to be talking about forgiveness, we're going to dedicate to this beautiful action of the inner reconciliation with the self, as Andrei Moreira wrote a book about With the other and God. Threefold. Let us reconcile and live better. For now, I'll let you go. I'll let you go to enjoy your beautiful continuity of life. While we prepare for tomorrow. Can you believe it? Day 11 is going to be about the Sermon of the Mount. We can only climb the ecstasies of the Beatitudes after We have walked in the valley of forgiveness, reconciliation. Big kiss to all of you. Thank you, Elton. Thank you, all of you, my friends. Thank you for being together in this beautiful journey. 30 days of good news, wonderful news with the Master. Thank you, Raquel. A big friendly hug. Thank you, Solange. Friendly hug. It feels good. Let us reconcile and live better and lighter. Till tomorrow.
6: Do not be envious. A young man envied a sage. For the simple fact that the sage spoke beautiful lessons about life. And naturally, he was loved by many people. So one day, this young man set up a plan to discredit the wisdom of the wise man. He would have a bird in his hand. And then, he would ask the sage a simple question. Is this bird alive or dead? If the sage would answer that the bird was dead, he would simply open up his hand and the bird would fly away. If instead he said, that the bird was alive. He was squeezed, killing it to prove to all that the wise man was in fact a liar, a fake. So he waited for a perfect day in which a large crowd was standing before the wise man. He approached the wise man and he loudly asked the question, Sage, would you please answer to us all? Is this bird alive or dead? The sage thought and reflected for a moment, and then he answered, The life of this bird is in your hand. It's very common to find envious people. For the simple fact that for all of us, it's hard to share someone else's happiness when that happiness does not come from us. It could be of their looks, it could be of their wealth, their health, therefore if someone envies you, do not hate them. They are spiritually, emotionally very sick. They need your compassion instead. But if you are the one who envies someone, be careful. You could be emotionally, spiritually sick. You should never use others as your standard of measurement of yourself. And do yourself a favor. Do not envy other people's possession because wealth without health and peace of mind would never be a true source of happiness. Ask yourself by using you as a standard of your measurement. How were you a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and as you find yourself that you are progressing, then at last you understood that your life is in your hands.
2: Dear Kardec Radio Listener, the following inspirational message was taken from chapter 181 of the book Happy Life by the spirit author Joana de Angelis, psychographed by Divaldo Franco. The greatest lesson is love. Without it, objectives lose their purpose leaving the individual at the mercy of his inferior passions. Love dilutes the shadows of negative feelings, impressing the seal of gentleness on all actions. So love all and everything. Practice loving nature, blended with its sun, air, trees, flowers, fruits, animals and human beings. Let yourself be moved by the silent invitations that the Father Creator makes to you, and spread your emotions over everything, sweetening yourself inwardly. The more you love, the less you will be susceptible to the barbs of evil, because your increased understanding will open your spaces to life, and you will reap only the effects of peace.
0: Good morning, dear Kardec Radio listeners. Today, we will continue our series of God at Home talking about two feelings that are very much in need in our families. We will talk about acceptance and forgiveness.
7: The story of today's show begins again in the house of Simon Peter. Christ was commenting on the sacred texts, when realizing the difficulty of applying the lessons to our lives, Peter's mother-in-law asked,
0: "Lord, what is our life in the home supposed to be after all?" We began to endeavor amongst flowers, only to find ourselves gathering a bunch of thorns later on. At first, there is the promise of peace and understanding. However, Stones and troubles soon appear.
7: The home is a school for souls, the temple where divine wisdom gradually enables us to understand humankind more fully. What do you do first with lentils before serving them at mealtime?
0: Well, of course, Lord, I have to put them on the stove and cook them long enough. Then, I have to season them in order to make them taste good.
7: And would you perchance serve raw dough at the table?
0: Of course not. In order to make it edible, I would have to bake it in the oven. Otherwise...
7: In heaven, too, there is a festive banquet where our sentiments must serve the Father's glory. Most of the time, the home is a holy cauldron or the preparatory oven. What may seem to us like affliction or suffering in the home is actually a resource for the spirit. The soul that is awakened to the Lord's will receives the most enlightening blessings from its renewing struggles. Because only by living with others in the home By studying aspirations and inclinations unlike our own, and by observing the defects of others and putting up with them, can we learn to overcome our imperfections. Haven't you ever noticed how quickly a person's life passes by? The life of the body is much like that of a flower. In the morning it emits a fragrance, At night, it withers. The home is a brief course on the fraternity we will enjoy in the life eternal. The suffering and natural conflicts within its walls are lessons.
0: We learn in Spiritism that a reincarnation on earth is a brief experience in the life of the immortal spirit. The members of our family were chosen by us in the spiritual realm in order to help us purify our feelings, mend old relations and steer our evolution in the direction of God. The struggles we go through inside our homes from this perspective lose much of the importance we give them and gain a divine purpose that motivates us to go on. Those who neglect this opportunity and give in to rebelliousness will need to repeat the lesson in another opportunity, maybe in another life.
7: That's why we would like to propose a family exercise from the book Happy Life. The next time you encounter problems on the rough tasks of evolution within the family, take refuge in a prayer of belief in God. And invite your loved ones as well. A little inner silence and concentration. Your soul in a supplicating posture and open to inspiration. These are the conditions needed to let the pacifying divine response come. Make the climate of prayer a habit and your family will be in perennial communion with God. And you will find the strength to accept and forgive one another.
3: Sounded like poetry. There was no melody in their lips, but it felt like music. Oh yeah, it felt like harmony. They were just strangers, had never met before, but they could feel they were not. round them No way to carry No ball and chain, no object to lose or keep, they only had themselves tell-
1: Welcome to our YES! Youth Educational Spiritism with Kardec Radio. I am Bernadette Liao and I'll be spending a few minutes with you inspiring to bring spiritual awareness and the Spiritist teachings to our youth, parents and educators. Today, we will talk about praying for others. Dear listeners, we would like to start our reflection on praying for our neighbors, with an example. If you have joined social media, you may have seen someone posting about a sad or challenging moment in their lives. We read the post, feel the person's pain and we truly feel sorry. We even reply, I will pray for you because we care about the person and it actually hurts to see him or her suffering or in need. Then after we mention it or think about our intention to pray for someone there is a good chance that we will continue reading other posts, watch videos, read posts about politics or people complaining. We look at pictures and we end up forgetting about our first intention which was to pray for that person. It also happens with TV news. We watch something like a disaster, a family in need, an act of violence, We feel sorry, we think about it and even say, Oh my gosh, I need to pray for them. But how often do we actually do it? Or we just go on with our lives? The reality is that life distracts us. And we have other priorities and praying for others may become a secondary thing even we even pray at all we forget that praying for others is charity too it is an act of compassion chapter 11 item 14 of the gospel according to spiritism talks about Jesus actions it says what would he have said if he found one of these unfortunate people beside him wouldn't jesus take pity on him look at him as a sick miserable soul and extend a helping hand to him now you may not be able to do the same thing yet but at least you can pray for him and help uplift his spirit during the time he has left on earth." For some it may be easier to pray for ourselves than for others because we usually have this long list of requests to God hoping we will get everything we've asked for or that miraculously God will immediately stop our pain, even though that pain might be what we need to our progress. But even when we are in pain, if just for a moment, we are able to raise our thoughts and heart to the Creator and think of others and say a selfless and sincere prayer to the ones who are in need we will also benefit from it. We will benefit from that compassionate and loving energy and feel a balm of peace surrounding us. The same way that when someone is going through depression It is recommended that the person do some charitable work. By doing good to others, he or she also receives this positive energy. Take a look at Jesus for example, our great teacher. He was dying on the cross and still he did not pray for himself but for others instead Jesus said Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing we may think but I pray for someone and I do not see the results or any change well even if that's the case do not stop praying No sincere prayer is ever wasted. Every powerful prayer reaches the person in need even though we may not see the results right away. It is as if our prayer goes to a praying savings account. It is there, ready to be cashed. Plus the prayer will reach the spiritual mentors and friends who hear our plea and can intercede for that person. If we don't see a quick change or improvement that does not mean that our prayers are not answered. Just like a play that shows a beautiful performance. It takes a long time to be ready for that presentation there is a lot going on on backstage just like there are a lot of prayers family and friends and spiritual guides working with that person that we do not see but it is working. Prayers always help. Chapter 27, item 7 of the Gospel According to Espiritism by Allan Kardec tells us, quote, What God will give us if we direct our prayers with confidence is courage, patience and fortitude. God will also give us ways of resolving situations ourselves. With the help of ideas that spirit guides suggest to us. In the end, the merit is ours. God helps those who help themselves. We have also a limited view of life because right now this is only one lifetime of many. Our prayers will be carried on to the next one and may even help the person in the afterlife. Children need to be taught how to pray for others. It is easy for them to think about themselves and about what they want. It's easy to be selfish. So parents and educators, please take the time to teach children to think of others and pray for them. Children need reminders and guess what? Adults too. And here are some suggestions of activities that you can do with your child to help him or her to be more aware of the importance of praying for others. 1. Have a list of names of people for you and your child to pray together like family, friends, the sick and poor and every day Pick one name from the list and pray. You can also write the names and put in a jar and pick one or use popsicle sticks. 2. Before a meal or during dinner time when you and your family are together, model by praying for the ones who prepare the food. You can also pray for the animals, you can pray for the people who work on the farm and someone that work at the grocery store They put all the food on a shelf so you can buy it. Three, pray aloud so you can model. If the child is too little then you pray and ask the child to repeat after you. Four, Pay attention and catch any teachable moments and opportunities to pray. If you and your child see a homeless person or someone in need, invite the child to say a prayer together. Remember, being sorry is not enough. 5. Use the five-finger prayer or also known as Pope Francis Five Finger Prayer. This is a good tool that many parents and spiritual teachers use to remind and teach children to pray for others. The thumb is a reminder to pray for family and friends. The index finger to pray for parents and teachers. The middle finger to pray for leaders. The ring finger for the poor and sick and the pinky, which is the smallest finger, is to remind us to pray for ourselves. Kardec Radio listeners, even though we are aware of how much praying for others and the world is important, we still need to work on it, making of it a habit. We have a strong desire, we feel the pain of others, we care, but at times we forget and we get distracted with everyday life situations. So this week we invite you and children to pray more often to everyone in the world. Pray for your neighbor, pray for somebody in your family, pray for other countries as we see in this quote by an unknown author. When we pray for others, God listens to you and blesses them. So when you are safe and happy, remember that someone is praying for you. Thank you for listening to Yes. And if you have any questions that would like us to answer in the segment, please email them to kardec at kardecradio.com. Thank you for listening to Kardec
4: Radio, broadcasting live every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Email us and share your comments at com.